Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 181. Uh, Zen Parenting Radio, you may ask, what is this all about? Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, count them three, ages six, nine, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, are you listening? I, I am. Or are you preparing of, for the show? I'm, I'm reading something. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And um, what we're going to talk about today is the adolescent brain. I love the adolescent brain. It's the brain of an adolescent. That's right. And um, I'll tell you a quick story before we get into the gist of the show. I love stories. Um, I have a men's group, and we usually kind of talk about something heavy in the men's group. But you know what the theme for July is? Drink beer. No. The theme is have fun. Oh. So we're going to take a wiffle ball bat, a wiffle ball, some... You know those uh, bouncy balls you get at the grocery store, and we're just going to play as if we were 11 years old. That's great. And then we're going to the pool across the street, and we're going to have fun, and then we'll have a beer on the deck afterwards. So beer is part of it. So we are going to turn back the time, just like the time machine in Back to the Future. Just like Cher did? If I could turn back time. Is that the one where she's half naked? If I could find... Yeah, she's on that Navy boat with all those naval officers. Yeah, and she's naked. Does she have tattoos on her butt? Of course she does. Why does she have tattoos on her butt? Because she's Cher. She is Cher. So talk to me about the adolescent brain, sweetie. um, The reason that um, I think this is important to discuss is because... Obviously, we have a daughter who's becoming an adolescent. Um, is and, she technically an adolescent well, yet? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, it, there's preteen and there's teen, but I think anything starting at around 11 and 12, I think we have to start thinking about being an adolescent or having parenting an adolescent, at least starting to practice. Um, I think things happen at different I times. I didn't want to see you go. <laughs> I know I made a little, Yes, I was a little late. I never really thought, was she a sex symbol? Oh, for sure. Okay. I I don't get it. What do you mean you don't get it? She had an awesome body. She still does. She's like 70 years old. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just so many other women that I thought were a lot more attractive than Cher. You know what you need to pull up? You know what one of my favorite songs by Cher? It was called Just Like Jesse James. Just like. And I don't know if it ever got popular. I just loved it. And my friends kind of made fun of me because I used to listen to it a lot in the dorms. And so this was freshman year of college. So this is going back to freshman year, Kathy Adams. Okay, is this about um, the bad guy, Jesse James? Yeah, but they're using him as a metaphor. Does it have anything to do with Brady Bunch? No. It has nothing to do with Bobby and him being the hero, and or him, Jesse James being the hero. Remember the dream that Bobby had and I all do. his family members get shot? Yes, it was brutal. It was brutal. That was scary. Because it, it's actually a great Brady Bunch episode because Bobby has to write about his hero, and he chooses Jesse James, and... Mom and dad try to explain to him but that what Jesse James did wasn't really heroic, but Bobby's so caught up in the power of the violence and the thrill of the drama that to him that's important. And do you remember who comes to talk to Bobby? Get away, get away, get away, get away. 
the sunshine day. There's Bobby. He's digging the sunshine. <laughs> he was quite the singer. <laughs> he went out in front. Think I'll go for a walk. And then Marsha's like perfect. Yeah, she's like good. <laughs> like, way to be good, Marsha. <laughs> way to, to be good when everyone else is bad. Oh, let's just play songs. Okay, anyway, going back to Jesse James, do you remember who comes to talk to Bobby? Uh, yes, the um, son or grandson of a man who. Uh, was, was shot yeah. by Jesse James. So Bobby changed his mind. That Mr. Brady dream. always has the best solution to every problem. Well, and that's what's fun about watching Brady Bunch now as a parent is you're like, man, they were good. He was good. He was great. They were calm. They let natural consequences take place, except when Cindy had the sniffles, because I think they probably could have gone on the boat. Yes. Um, what about when um, Bobby felt like he didn't belong and he was going to run away? And Mrs. Brady's at the bottom of the staircase waiting for Bobby. With his suitcase. With her suitcase and his oh, suitcase. Oh, she's going to go with him. She's going to go with him. That's right. That was great. Or how about when Peter wants a new personality? Um, is that when he changes his voice? That's pork chops and applesauce. Pork chops and applesauce. Because <laughs> he's trying to find a personality. Because, you know, middle child, he doesn't know who to be. I know. And they let him. Yeah. and oh, But doesn't Jan want a different personality too? Jan. <laughs> Frickin' Jan. <laughs> Frickin' Jan. That wig with she that black not wig. The new Jan Brady. The new. <laughs> you know what I like about Jan? Go big or go home. She could have changed anything, but she changed that whole head of hair of hers. Do you think anyone wants to hear about the adolescent brain? They want to hear what we want to talk about. Okay. Well, here's what I want to say about the adolescent brain. We are going into this phase as parents, and I think a lot of you are already here. You're thinking about it, and it doesn't really matter where you are in parenting because I think that... Something that's super important is your feelings about it, mm -hmm. meaning are you already setting the stage that it's going to be a nightmare? Are you already deciding that your children are going to be awful to you? Are you already deciding that um, your life is going to be miserable and that your kids are going to be difficult and that you're not going to get along? Because if that's your belief system, mm -hmm. then, you know, you're going to see what you believe. Right. And I know, you know, people keep saying to me, just wait, just wait. But they said that to me when my daughter was turning two. Right. And they said that when she started third grade. And they said that when she... You know, and, and I hear that so much now. Wait until your daughters are in their teenage years. You're going to hate life. Everything's going to suck. And I have, I don't, it seems like every other week I tell somebody I have not subscribed to that. Well, and, the, and this is the thing, people. Todd and I don't believe we won't have challenges. Right. Those are inevitable. But my viewpoint is not going to be that this all blows. Yes. Because I believe if you have an understanding of what's going on with your children, and if your intention is to maintain a connection with them, regardless where they are in their development, that that's doable. Right. Like the people that have to shift are us. Yes. Instead of saying to our children, you're not acting like you're in seventh grade and you're not acting like you did in fifth grade. What's going on? Right. Hello, they're not supposed to be. Yeah. And if we understand that, then we start to rise to them and we start to figure out how to communicate with them because we're the parents and that's our job. I was just talking to a friend. I just got back from out of town. I was talking to a friend at the airport and she uh, is um, a little bit older than us. So her daughter's like 25 or something like that. And she struggled through parenting. And then one day she just realized that her name is Becky, my friend. She said, 
I had a an idea of what my daughter was supposed to be like. Yeah, there you go. And then she realized, um, and because I think she she's like an extrovert, and she wanted to have like this outgoing, extroverted friendship with her daughter. And she realized that her daughter is much more like her husband, yeah. which is introverted and kind of quiet. And yeah. she said, as soon as she realized, it that, was like a click that she yeah she had an aha moment. As soon as she realized that, I'm not. Supposed to know what this girl's like, and if I can just accept whatever it is that she shows up to be, I'll be a lot healthier. Our relationship, and she says, since that revelation, everything's been better. Well, and that is the definition. By definition, that's what it means to be a conscious parent. Even though Todd and I, you know, we call what we talk about here a million things. We call it just being aware. We call it being intentional. We call it, you can call it conscious parenting, but but the definition being cool. It, <laughs> having a good time is being um, conscious of what you're bringing. Because if you are bringing, that's what I mean about if your thoughts are um, adolescence is going to suck, the teenage years are going to suck, 13 is going to suck. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will see it, experience it, and you will create a reality that doesn't necessarily have to be. You'll manifest it. And the thing is, is when your children are having difficulties... Um, you can call it whatever you want, meaning you can just call it a challenge and we're going to get through this too will pass. Or you can say, Oh my God, here we go. This is the beginning of the end. You know, like I have had so many parents say to me, you know, they'll have a child in first grade and their child will have a hard time with another girl. And they'll say, I can't believe this mean girl thing is starting already in first grade. Right. Don't, label it so strongly so early she's having a problem with another girl that's called life right that's going to happen in second and third maybe it'll not happen maybe it'll happen a lot in eighth maybe it won't happen again in high school we don't need to put these labels on it we can just deal with the situation in front of us sweetie if you label me you negate me and don't be negating me Kierkegaard. and don't be player hating me um my quote that i posted on facebook today yeah it's from eckhart did you see I it? I saw it. Yeah. Whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you had chosen it. Well, and that's, and when I read that today on Facebook, what I thought of, um, the Rumi quote, um, pretend, oh gosh, what is the quote? It's on my vision board that um, everything, oh, I know that everything that's happening in life is working in your favor. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not verbatim, but mm-hmm. it's a roomy quote that everything you're experiencing, the universe is in your favor. Yeah. So if you can look at it that way, but it's so hard for people in the midst of a crisis to see that, Todd. And I understand that because when I'm in the midst of a crisis, I can't see it. But if you can go through your day-to-day experiences and not try not to be as drama filled about them or think that it means the end of something or think that you need to label it something and just experience it for what it is and let it go. Life is like smoother than you think it is. And so can I jump into this? Because we're just like jabbering on and we're not giving them anything to hold on to here. We're all over the place. So Daniel Siegel has a new book. And if you guys don't know who Daniel Siegel is, then you need to know because he's been around a while. And I and our quote about the best predictor of a child's success is, child's well-being jo- is, a, parent's, is a parent's self-understanding. We stole that from him. We stole that from him. And he has a new book out. Um, he First of all, if you haven't heard of him, he wrote Mindsight. He wrote The Whole Brain Child. And he just wrote a book... Um, called Brainstorm, The Power and Purpose of the Teenage Brain. What magazine are you getting that from? Where do, what do you think? My favorite magazine. Oprah? No. Well, she's a favorite magazine too. This is Spirituality and Health. Ah, got it. Um, and they interviewed him this month about this book, which actually, Todd, you listened to this audiobook, I, right? Um, this new one? Yeah. No, I listened to an interview 
when he was promoting it and got a lot out of the interview. So same thing. Yeah. It's all the same information. Yeah. Um, because So we've talked about this before, but one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we discussed on the show was his um, acronym ESSENCE. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. Okay. So what it is, is he, he talks about how the adolescent brain changes. And that's why, obviously, because they're growing up and their brain starts to change. And so he, to help adults to help parents or adults understand what's going on with the adolescent, he came up with this acronym called ESSENCE to describe it. And so the first thing is the ES. So it's it's every two yeah, letters. Yeah, he messes with yeah. the acronym. But, he had to come up with right. something so we could remember. So what's ES? So ES is emotional spark. Mm-hmm. So the brain is obviously more emotional when you hit adolescence. And so uh, that can mean that your child can be more moody, uh, maybe more irritable, um, emotions that are maybe stronger than usual. Um, they can obviously feel a little more lost or confused or mad at you or themselves. But the upside of this emotion, and I think is, this is what you talked about and you were excited about, is that it's actually their source of vitality and energy right. too. So this ability to have this strong emotion may drive us crazy sometimes because so many of us have flat lines right you know like where we're just kind of like here and the kids are like up and down and up and down and we find that annoying or we find that there's something wrong with that right but that's that's their vitality what i remember and i wish i would have prepared a little bit better but there's a chemical in your dopamine. brain dopamine thank you dopamine yes and the brain has a higher variability of dopamine when you're an adolescent exactly so here's my personal story and this is a little off track but I, in my 30s, I would be like, God, what happened to me? Why don't (laughs) I get as happy and as excited as I used to be? Or why don't I get as happy or as excited as those kids are right now? They're having, they're at the pool, they're having the best time and I'm at the pool and it's okay. Right. Why are they so excited? And when I read that, or when I listened to this interview, he talked about how there's a stronger receptor to dopamine when you're an adolescent. Bigger releases. Right. And it made me feel better about it. That knowledge is like, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, and let me give you a perfect example okay. because this is something everyone can relate to. Your first love when you're in your teenage years right. is so intense. Strong, right. And everyone, a lot of people get confused and they'll say, that was the greatest love I've ever had in my life. Nothing could touch that. But the truth is you had the craziest dopamine then. Right. And so you had all, you had the adolescent brain, you had this crazy emotional spark going on. And so falling in love, which was real, I'm not, I'm not negating the love that you felt right. because it's real but it's so heightened right. and you know it's beyond where when you get to be our age the definition of love and it, it's very different right. it just feels different it looks different and i'm not even saying one's better than the other because that extreme love of the teenage years is kind of off the charts well and i think what's important is is us as parents if we have this knowledge yes. that there's literally for me there's literally chemicals in these adolescent brains that are making this emotional roller coaster yes. The fact that I know that I have that knowledge, which I didn't before I heard this interview, makes it easier to deal with when the emotions do come out. I actually have a great example that happened yesterday. Okay. JC and I went to Target and she You're not supposed to go to Target. I know. Right when I said that, I'm like, I am not supposed to go to Target. And why are you not supposed to go to Target? Because their Target is in, I think it's just in Texas, but we need to have a overall, you know, United States ban on letting guns into Target. Over the counter. Over the counter guns. Is it selling them or is it people doing open carry? I have no, I haven't done any research. Regardless, it's just so funny that I just said I was at Target because I just saw all these people. That that people were boycotting boycotting Target Target. because of the gun thing. I did not boycott. I was there, but I do 
I do not think we should be carrying weapons into Target because... What about M16, sweetie? That (laughs) makes a lot of sense. No, but getting off of guns for a second, um, we were actually, we were there and she needed a few things. She needed a, a new pair of shoes because the camp just Mama needs ate a new pair of shoes. Um, she wanted. She got something else. I think she got some paper clips. And this and is she, our eleven-year-old. Yeah, our cool. Some cool paper clips. And then she found this purse. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "And this." And you guys don't know this, but she's got a million purses. A lot of purses on the back of her door. I said, "Oh, honey, I'm not buying you a purse today. We're doing this and this and this." And I didn't even think about it because it was like, and, yeah, and forget we, it. And then we bought everything and we got in the car and she was really quiet. And so I said. I said, are you kind of bummed out about that purse? And she said, yeah, I am. And she was annoyed. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't really want to talk. And we just kind of drove. And instead of giving her the big guilt trip, you need to feel bad about this or you right. should be more grateful. Because right. really, you're just throwing them into defensive mode. Right. Once we stopped the car, the other girls got out. And I looked at her and I said, honey, I understand you really like that purse. I get it. Because I know, you know, you you were excited about it. Um, but it's not that you can't have it. It's just today wasn't the day. And if you want to buy it with your own money, that's fine. And I said, but... One thing that you could do, kind of make a shift, is focus on the fact of that we got these flip flops, we got these you know paper clips that you needed. They're these huge ones. They're not like little right, paper clips. Right. They're like these cute paper clips. And I said, instead of putting all your energy in the fact that we didn't get that, try and leak your energy toward the fact that you just came home with some new shoes. Mm-hmm. So instead of making it about me, mm-hmm. like you're offending me, you're not grateful to me. I kind of was almost outside of it saying, I totally hear why you're bummed about this. But instead of going that way and being like bummed all night, you're missing the fact that you just got new shoes. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't say, okay, now show me how you're going to do it. I just left it alone. Right. And how she, long did it take for her mood to change? Uh, she went up to her room. She came down and she didn't go up to her room huffing and puffing. She right. just went upstairs and she came down about 20 minutes later. And she was okay. And she, yeah, and she's been wearing the shoes and, you know, she loves them. Um, I guess my point is, is that as parents, the emotions are high. Right. And instead of making them feel bad about the emotional experience they're having, maybe we can give them some tips about how to balance it. Mm-hmm. Because my, my focus, and again, I will say that, you know, it was a, you know, I had a lot of energy, things were, it was a good day. You know, when we're impatient and tired, these are very hard things to do. Mm-hmm. But I, you know kind of almost stand outside of it like it's got nothing to do with me she's really she may be thinking she's mad at me because she didn't get the purse but really she's just annoyed right and i can just kind of be like here you know you're kind of you're you're zapping your own energy and you can kind of switch it around and it doesn't mean you're never going to have that purse you can do that in the future you know and then let it go Walk away from it instead of saying, I can't believe in carrying it around as a parent Mm -hmm. because they will learn gratitude. That me being able to talk to her about gratitude without the emotion, Mm -hmm. without feeling angry at her, teaches more gratitude than the angry gratitude. Because if you come at her with anger, what happens? She'll just be mad. I give her an excuse to fight. Exactly. She gets to take those emotions and fight with me. Instead, she went upstairs and chilled out and did what she had to do. And I don't, two two things. Number one, I don't want to play. I don't feel like fighting. Number two, it's got nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. And number three, I'm no longer an adolescent, so I don't have to get into those heightened emotional battles. Because I think we as parents, we stoop to where they are. Totally. And you're not helping them if you are meeting them 
where they are. As a 13-year-old. You need to be above it. Exactly. With this knowledge. And a lot of times we'll say things like, well, when I was a kid, I would have never done that. You know, I would have never said that to my mom. I think we have a false memory. Yeah. You know what I heard the other day? JC played this thing for me that she heard at camp, and I thought this was so profound. Advice giving is a form of nostalgia. Mm. Isn't that so interesting? Help me out with that. When someone is giving you advice and saying, this is the way it was when I was a kid, they're just being nostalgic about their memories and they're taking the best pieces and saying, here's exactly what worked for me. It'll work for you. And there's two parts to that. It's probably been romanticized. Yeah. Which means you forgot about the bad stuff. You totally forgot the bad stuff. And B, it was your situation. And that doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. But why I thought that was important, it's not just about you know, not taking someone else's advice. Cause sometimes if, if advice resonates, take it, mm-hmm. but it helped me be more respectful toward like my, my dad or, you know, someone older than me giving me advice. Cause it's not just them trying to tell me what to do. It's them practicing their own nostalgia. Right. They're, they're reminiscing about their times. Right. Can I ask you uh, about if Dr. John Kelly gave you some advice, sweetie? Would you listen to him? We had an appointment today. Oh, you did? We actually had an appointment to get their um, x-rays because x-rays, they're going to get... Um, well, let me tell you about spacers. Dr. John Kelly. He is our dentist, but he's he's not a normal dentist. He's an... He's an abnormal dentist. He's an abnormal... <laughs> it's not your father's dentist. <laughs> he's a great dentist. Comprehensive dentistry. Um, ChicagoDentistOnline.com, 5350 West Devon Avenue in Chicago. And their number is 773-631-6844. And just a few things that he deals with aside from cavities and things like that. Um, he works with people with who have TMJ, jaw pain. He works for people who have sleep disorders. And then we've talked over the last month or two about child facial development. He's an expert at this. So um, you Because get, do you know that your child's face, depending on what's done orthodontically, their face changes. Yes. They look different. We've seen the pictures. We have seen it. And, and this, it these are things different. people don't know. I know. So, so. He's, he's a rock star. So okay. uh, check him out. So um, what's after ES? Um, S-E. So we have ES, emotional spark. S-E, social engagement. Now, this is very interesting in terms of the peers. So the limbic area of the brain, it changes during adolescence and this is this is so cool i'm going to read this directly from uh dr siegel this is nature's way of trying to get you to survive when you leave the safety of your home so with other mammals if you don't hang out with um hang around with other adolescent mammals that are in your group then you you'll die right like to survive you have to be with your peers which which is another way of saying that is breaking away you have to break away from your family because you have to learn how to do this on your own Mm -hmm. so the downside of the social engagement is that for the kids being a member or belonging can feel like life and death right you know like a friend blows them off and you know even though it's not life and death so what you're saying is it's kind of like a deeper level it's not hey i want to be by my friends what what let's say this 12-year-old or 13-year-old is doing as a sense of survival. Yes. Biologically, they are this, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, we are hardwired yes. to do this. Social engagement, the limbic area of the brain changes during adolescence. So they start to need to break away from the family and be with their peers so they can ha- develop their own abilities to go out into the world, which is why when they don't find a peer group or they don't find that they belong or they get blown off or people aren't nice to them, it feels like life and death. Mm-hmm. So when we come at our kids and they say, oh my gosh, this person doesn't like me or they broke up with me or my friend doesn't like me and we say oh big deal you'll make friends in college Mm -hmm. 
They can't hear that. Right. They're, you've got to be present with them. You, it, it doesn't mean you have to be sad with them because you know they're going to be okay. It means you need to be stable for them. You need to hold the space for their emotion. You need to allow them to grieve and not tell them why they're silly for feeling that way. Are we going to get to the part where they're supposed to, maybe this is the part, so okay. tell me, where they're supposed to break away from the parent, but yet it's still important that they have older role models? Um, if you weren't going to get to that, I want to tell you a quick story. Okay. I don't know if we were going to get to that. Um, Basically, I'm... we as parents, I have a feeling. Oh, it's, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. It's not in Okay, here. thanks. Um, we as parents get really frustrated when our kids in their adolescence, if you have an adolescent, when it happens to us, I might get frustrated with our daughter's breaking away from me right. as an adult. Right. And we know that that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Exactly. But one thing that he said in the interview, and I don't know if it's in that article, is it is essential for them to maintain relationships with older people. Yes. Um, the coaches, aunts, uncles, things like that. Because for some reason, you know, as, as a teenager, your parents become uncool. But your coach they have to right. But your coach can still be cool, and your aunt and your and uncle your can still be cool, and your cousins, and that is essential for their growth. So it's not that this teenager doesn't like grownups. Right. That teenager doesn't like their parents, and it's not that they don't like their parents. You know what I mean? Yes. And what I is if I were giving myself advice um, when this happens to us, I'd be nurture the relationships between aunts, uncles, coaches deliberately do something to make it easy for them to reach out to somebody older that's not you. Well, and one of the things that we've had um, the girls do in BU and that I've also done with my niece and my kids is make sure that they have an understanding of who the adults are in their life that they can talk to beyond me. Right. We set this up very early with the girls. Like if you have an issue and you don't feel like you can come to your dad and I, you can go to your, you can go to Maddie, you can go to Christine, you can go to Manisha, you can go, to, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. So they know they have permission, I'm putting that in quotes, to go talk to other people because a lot of parents become very uh, territorial and they'll think that they should know everything and why are you telling your aunt and not me? And it becomes kind of like a a competition. Mm -hmm. And I, as long, if my girls need help and in that moment they feel they can't ask me, I want them to know that they have full permission to go to someone else who loves them. And that I don't, you know, anyway, so good point. That's key. Okay. So the next one. Uh, um, let's go over emotional spark. Emotional first spark, one. social engagement. Social engagement. And now where are we? So, and again, um, th- one more thing about the social engagement is that is why kids are willing to take some, maybe do things in front of their peers that they wouldn't normally do. You know, like you'd say, why would you do that? Why would you do that with your friends? Well, the friends start to become this pack. Yeah. And they start to sometimes... Um, like a like a one-man wolf pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how about that car right in? <laughs> um, so, so, and we, you know, we end up calling that peer pressure. But, um, you know, kids sometimes do things with their friends that they never would have done anywhere else, just right. so they can belong. So, they don't know why they do it, but they do it automatically because of that. Um, do you think uh, boys are? I think a boys being in more of a need of having a pack than girls. No. Oh no, girls need each other too. Really? Oh, yeah. I thought like maybe girls, and this is generalizations, but 
like three or four good friends, whereas the boys tend to be in much larger groups. See, and I, no? the way I visualize boys is exactly the opposite. Interesting. I, invi- I like you always talk about your three best friends from high school, and I had a lot of good girlfriends. Yeah. And you had your three best friends. Right. And it doesn't mean we didn't have other friends. Sure. It just meant you kind of had a core. So I think it's that's individual. Yeah, it that's depends a personality on the, okay. thing. So the next one is novelty. So this is the dopamine. Not thing, novelty Todd. golf, is it? No. That's the miniature golf course by my house because that would be weird. That would be strange. Uh, novelty. What does novelty. that mean? Novelty. So. When puberty hits, the dopamine in the brain drops um, its baseline level and raises its release level. Okay, what that means, that just means that the release is more often. Okay. okay, so this is the dopamine thing okay. that we were talking about before. And everyone, so you know what dopamine is. I think a lot of you guys do. But it's a Happy chemical juice. in the brain that Happy makes juice. you feel good. Yeah. A lot of the um, SSRIs that are out there, and those are um, mood-stabilizing drugs, th- it's all about the dopamine. It's it's changing the chemicals. And then probably some of the drugs that they take, uh, ecstasy or something, it probably has. Same kind of thing. Yeah. I think that that's, that's why people do drugs yeah. because they get this kind of false. Synthetic. Scent. It's a total false high. Right. You know. But anyway. Um, novelty. So it's yeah. So, so novelty. That just means more frequently. So let me let me read this directly because he. Do you want me to play the Jeopardy theme? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Okay. So one of the main releasers of this dopamine is novelty. So why does nature do this? To get you out of your familiar home and push you into the world. So you want novelty. You want things that are out of the box. Mm -hmm. You want to do things that you've never done before. You want to travel. You want to go to a new town. You want to try a new thing. And that is your, your brain is biologically created that way so you it pushes you out of the box and you get out of the familiar and do things you wouldn't normally right. do. So what you're describing, these are all things that we know. Like we know kids have a sense of adventure. Right. And what you're describing is the science behind this sense of adventure. And why it's important rather than saying they shouldn't be this way, do you understand they have to be this way if they want to expand their horizons. So where's the balance come between us trying to keep our kids safe and their sense of adventure? Well, here's a few things. The downside is, is that when dopamine levels are low, they can be a little more depressed than usual. And the release higher level, swings. Yes, the higher swings. Um, and the release levels are so high that it can really, that it can lead to risky and thrill seeking behaviors. But obviously, again, like I just said, the positive part of it, the upside to it is that they're willing to start new things and embrace new things. Yeah. Like when a kid at like 14 or 15 or 16 is like, I'm going to start playing guitar right now, mm-hmm. just out of the blue. I'm going to be in a theater production. I'm going to go on a missions trip this yeah. summer. And they're just so alive. And we as parents want to keep them contained. Not that we would, but there's always a part of us like, slow, slow down. down, stop. Are you sure? Is yeah. that safe? And that they're supposed to be doing that. And I'm not saying as parents, we can't put some boundaries around it. But instead of telling them that they're too, you know, they're flying off the handle or you're crazy or you could never succeed at that. Think about it in terms of this is what the way their brain is supposed to be. They're supposed to want to try novel things. They're supposed to have extreme ups and extreme downs. They're, they're, um, it is what makes them who they are. It's how they become adults. It's mm-hmm. how they become successful people. Right. And I don't mean how they make a lot of money when they grow up. I mean, it's how they become a whole person. Whole person. Yeah. So anyway, that's novelty. That's N. All right. Okay. Two more. Or Two one more. more. So we have emotional spark, social engagement, novelty. Okay. And the last one is creative exploration. Okay, okay, that sounds like sense of adventure, but go ahead. And- well, I, again, I'm looking at this. I'm reading it as I go. 
Okay, I love this one. I always want to put it in my own words so I can say it better than, you know what I mean? Yeah, instead of reading it. So creative exploration is about the kids not accepting the status quo. It's about them saying, I want to think about things in a different way. I want to see things in new ways. And so maybe I don't like the way politics are. Maybe I feel like, you know, like in the 60s, there was that big, you know, all the teenagers, yeah. you know, there, there was like a big... Going like, against the going status against quo. the status quo, going against authority, going against... That was an extreme... That was like a creative um, exploration of a whole generation. Yeah, it was a culture. It was a culture. Um, and so... You know, when they're when they're children, they're like sponges for our information. And then when they become adolescents, there's this when they get into adolescence, there's this drive. Well, they push our information away. Yes. And they embrace everybody else's information. Or it's not even that, Todd. They start to embrace their own. Right. They get they their start own to voice. Think for themselves. So instead of and again, they may be influenced by other people, mm-hmm. but maybe that's resonating and mm-hmm. tapping into something they haven't heard for a long time. Right. Not everything is brainwashing. Right. You know, just because so you've raised them a certain way and all of a sudden they come home and they say, I met this great person and and they're really liberal minded and they're making me think, you know, and we think, oh, they're being brainwashed. No, maybe they're waking up mm. to themselves or the other way around, Alex P. Keaton. I you was know? just about to say APK. <laughs> you know, like you, you're born of liberal parents and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I like a conservative. Even though I think Alex is probably born a Republican. Yes. What I mean is like he probably wore a tie when he was when five he was years one. old. Yeah. And that was such his, a great, yeah. great character. Great family, great character in a family. Very non TV ish, too. It was. Yeah. I loved it. So, um, so again, let me see if I can add anything to this. Well, okay, perfect. Adolescents are a major source of innovation in music, mm. in art, in science and technology. That's because they're thinking out of the box again. They are they're, they want to explore their creative side. They're interested in how things work. They want to know, can I do it differently? And I think what, what uh, Dr. Siegel is trying to teach us here is these are not things that need to be tamed. These are things that need to be embraced. Right. When our kids want to create something or make something or look at something new, that's our future. And if we tell them, no, you got to keep doing it my way, our nostalgic... So one of two things is going to happen. If you keep telling them to do it your way, one is they possibly will continue to do it your way, which means it will completely suppress everything that's inside of them. Until they're 40 and they have a nervous, they have a midlife crisis and say, I've never thought for myself. Or if you say, uh, you got to do it my way, they will completely rebel and there will be, um, there will be a price to pay for pushing so hard. Absolutely. So it goes back to the beginning. Just allow your kid to be who they're going to be, even if you're a Sox fan and they're a Cubs fan, or you're Republican and the kid's a Democrat, whatever it is, um, just just go there. Well, understand it, and it again, it doesn't help mean, me understand why. Whatever, yeah, and and but understand that this is exactly what should be happening. There's a great paragraph here that I want to read. The downs the downside to all this is you can feel so disappointed because you know the kid. You used to think of your parents as heroes and heroines, and now what do you think? They're just people. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're people. You thought the world was a fine place to live, and now you're seeing clearly that there's lots of problems. The adolescent brain, they're, they're starting to see that things aren't as perfect. The innocence, the is, innocence is, is fading. fading out. But again, we, we get so upset about that, and, and I do get upset when innocence is gone too early. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that five-year-olds should be watching violent movies right. and such. But when they do get to that time, 11, 12, 13, 14, that's when it's time. It yeah. doesn't mean they start seeing rated R movies. I just right. mean they need to see 
yeah, the real world. Yeah, ease into ease what into we it. what we've kind of been sh- sheltering them from, for lack of a better term. And when they ask questions, you know, answer them. Like one thing that I saw, uh, I saw an interview with Judy Bloom. Um, I actually read it. Um, I think it was on a Mighty Girl page, and I love that page on Facebook. Um, but she was saying that when our kids become in that preteen area, we're still too worried about what books they're reading and we're like they're not old enough they shouldn't be reading this and really that's the time when they need to kind of be reading whatever they want and i know that some of you may disagree with me and that's okay but i've kind of opened the door to jc and said go ahead read twilight read you know if you if you're ready for the hunger games read the hunger games if you know she's reading the fault in our stars right now you know read it Mm -hmm. It, but it's been interesting because like twilight she started it and she's like this is boring i'm like okay you're not and you're not ready for it or maybe she just doesn't like it one or the other how can you not like edward cullen oh he's so hot um he's cold though he is very cold. jacob's hot jacob (laughs) right that's like the cheesiest part of any movie yes, ever yes. when he's like yeah i guess i am hotter than you yes or something because like he's a wolf yeah and edward's the cold one i actually watched breaking dawn part one and two while you were gone this weekend mm, i'm so sorry i missed that are you do you know what i was reading in eighth grade silent reading we used to have silent reading that's what? right after recess and silent reading would be when they would calm everybody down um i would read archie's archie comics yeah and not not really helpful to the brain Right. Well, and and that's the thing that that's what I call just fun reading or passive reading. And and I would I like got to- in trouble. Mrs. Cooney uh, busted me because I would have the real book on the outside and the Archie comic book on the inside. So I would from her desk, I would be holding the book up and it would look I'd be reading something important. Yeah. But inside was the Archie comic book, and she busted me one time. And you know, as a teacher, I wish she would have said, "As long as you're reading." No. 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 Um, well, it's funny that graphic novels are as big as they are now because basically a comic is yeah. a graphic novel. Right. But I want to say one more thing because I don't think I can let this go by saying Hunger Games and Twilight are like great literature, even though I enjoy them. <clears throat> I also think this is a time, and it is in the curriculum, when kids should be learning about Anne Frank mm-hmm. and when should they should have an understanding of a little more about history yeah. and how things have occurred. I think that they should have like, you know, actually JC read Are You There? God, It's Me, Margaret, two years ago. But you know, books like Deanie, the, the Judy Bloom books, or, you know, unfortunately, I think I read Forever in fifth grade. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. Did you, you didn't read Forever? Who wrote it? Judy Bloom. No dudes read Judy Bloom, sweetie. Uh, some did because it had sexual content. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Well, and, and I say unfortunately because it is a little more, it's it's about an 18-year-old girl. Ah. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's a parent... It's tough. I what I just want for JC is when she goes to the library and if something really appeals to her, read it. Because and that, but when you let her read something that you're questioning, make sure you have a discussion with her after. And right? all these books that I mentioned, I've read. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know exactly like she's, you know, we have discussions about it as she's doing. And that's what was cracked me up with Twilight, you know, because I'm sitting here going, Don't you love this? And she's like, No. She's not into she it. put she gave it back to Maddie this morning. There you go. I know. So anyway. Um, so good job summing up that article. Do you think? I know. I think that we did a good job. Um, I wanted to talk about our second Dr. Kelly. That's our chiropractor. She's awesome. Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. That's 630-941-8733, chirotree.com. She has a workshop on ear infections coming up um, on July 15th at 10, 15 a.m. So make sure you sign up for that. That's 630-941-8733. Last week we did a show 
and you started reading a book. And you didn't, <laughs> Speaking of books. You didn't think you were going to finish it because it was a negative. Can you please give us a status update of what the book was and if you finished it? I finished it. It was called Gone Girl. And it was by Jillian Flynn. Gone, baby, gone. Love and is gone. I'll tell you why. I, well, I finished it in the middle of the day. The first mistake I made when I read it was that I was reading it in the morning and it was ruining my day. But for all of you who read it, you know what I mean. It flips. Do you remember I was by you and I said, oh. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, now okay, I now understand. I get it. So that you understood the draw that everybody was talking I about. I understood what happened is at the very beginning is very dark, and then you see that it's dark in a different way, but that there aren't really... There's, a su- there's, there's surprises. There's not one victim. Yeah. But what I will say is I did finish it, and I think it can be quite the cautionary tale for parents because both of these characters had some interesting parenting issues. Yeah. And they carried their baggage from their history, and they were bringing it into their present-day situation, and it was ugly. And neither of them had – they have self-awareness in that they've – they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm aware enough to know that I can't get anything better than this. But they had no sense of how the world really was. Out of a hundred bad people out there, and when I say bad, let's say that they are in jail for something really bad. Like <laughs> nice description. Like they murdered somebody. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of those people had loving, nurturing parents? Well yeah. I know there's there's probably some there's like chemical some, things. Some. But for the most part, those people ended up getting screwed up by their parents. Either the parents weren't there. Well, here's the thing. Let's be careful with our words because their parents probably thought they were loving them. Of course. They thought they were giving them what they needed. Some some really bad people probably didn't even, they just liked to hit them and abuse them. Right. But But there's others that had the best of intentions. Right. And because they didn't know any better, they didn't do any better. They pushed them. They they disconnected from them. They made their child be an extension of them. They didn't see them. They didn't listen to them. Um, They didn't allow them to have this adolescent brain full of essence right and so they try and so the kids rebelled and sometimes or they didn't talk to them about feelings or allow their kids to have their feelings and so they numbed out and that turned to something so you know what i like about you saying that todd everybody's got a story yeah and i think that that's what i love about fiction and nonfiction. i love people's stories because when you trace it back it's that maya angelou thing again anything that is of another human being could be of me mm-hmm. that you can see someone's story through your own lens and walk in their shoes right. and when you when you can do that it's very hard to hate it's very hard to be prejudiced it's very difficult to um, dislike an entire culture or community because you see the individual and you stop lumping people into right. good and bad. Right. And um, I think that's one of the best gifts we can give our kids is to have compassion for people. So let's talk about our last partner, uh, Avid. That's Jeremy. He is the president and owner of Avid. If you have any painting or remodeling to do in the Chicagoland area, give him a call. That's 630-956-1800. Uh, avidco.net. And then as far as promotion goes, uh, don't forget we have that Amazon search box on our website. So um, it doesn't cost you anymore, but if you buy something on Amazon through our website first, it actually gives us uh, a little commission and we put it towards our BU company, which is uh, a good thing. And then um, that's about all I have. Um, I did want to mention one thing. Um, it's Grandma Camp this week, sweetie. Grandma Camp. And what is Grandma Camp? My kids are going to go be with their grandma and grandpa for a few days, and that'd be my parents. Right. Um, so I have a little bit of surprise for my sweetie, <gasps> and this is like brand new information. Um, I got one thing to say, sweetie. What? Pack your bags. Where are we going? We're going somewhere. Are you kidding? You want to know where? 
Kind of loud. That was really loud. Sorry. Here we go. Are we ready? What? Are you kidding? No. We're leaving tomorrow morning. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding? No. And I figured I'd surprise you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. What are we going to New York for? To have fun. I'm leaving City that never sleeps. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm really, really hot. <laughs> are you real? I'm totally real. Oh, my God. 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. We're on, a pla- we're on an airplane. Wait, but what about the meeting and everything? I took care of everything. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. Yes. <gasps> oh, my gosh. So, for those of you who don't think I'm romantic and spontaneous, I knocked out both of those. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Oh, my gosh. This is hilarious. City. So we'll give you guys Thank a report. You. Welcome. We'll give you guys a report on New York uh, next week. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I thought we had like two meetings tomorrow. I canceled I- all the meetings. <laughs> that went, I thought I had to write. No, no writing. And you know what's so funny? I almost got us a room in like Oakbrook or Lombard or something yeah. just so we could get out of the house. Aren't you glad I didn't do that? I'm very glad. Oh my We're getting out of the house. Todd, are you real? I'm totally real. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. Okay, we should probably go. All right, this is Parenting Radio. Oh See gosh. you guys. Bye. Anywhere. Are you for real? New York. What are we doing? I have no idea. Where are we staying? We're staying at some four-star hotel. Priceline. Where'd we get the tickets and stuff? Priceline. Hi, everybody. Okay, wait a 